0: Hi and welcome. My name is Rob Scott from UC Today and in this session we'll be running through some of the latest and greatest news headlines. So today I'm joined by David Dungay, Editor-in-Chief who will be talking us through some of the news headlines. So Welcome David. Hi Rob, how are you doing today? Very well thank you, very well. Episode 2, very much looking forward to this. Yeah
1: right well let's get into some, uh, some surveys first of all. Following on from our last week's a big question with BT and uh, Facebook Workplace. If you didn't see that story, make sure you go back and have a look. Uh, Workplace deployed 85,000 seats into BT, which is a huge deal. But off the back of that that, uh, that news story, we had a big question. Are you using social uh, your collaboration tools for your social interactions at work? We do at UC today. We know some other people do, but we really wanted to find out um, you know, who, who was doing this and, and why. So we asked a question on LinkedIn and we got a huge response. Uh, so let's go through those results. 50% of you never use your collaboration tools at work for um, social interactions, which is really interesting. 26% sometimes, and then 23%, which is the camp we fall into, is often, Rob, what does it all mean?
0: Well, exactly. That is that is the question, isn't it? I mean, as we continue to blur the lines between home life and work life, you know, will companies, you know, allow uh, this kind of thing, you know, social interaction on um, on their collaboration tools? I suppose as you kind of move up towards the enterprise compliance and regulations and things like that, get a little bit more complex, um, but uh, maybe small businesses uh, are quite comfortable with it. I mean, as are we um we chat quite regularly about what we're doing at the weekends i know but uh you know i i think it's just a big question mark so the survey was interesting interesting results but um certainly uh it's not going to stop me from kind of chatting away to my colleagues uh on microsoft teams or whatever application going forward
1: absolutely i think i think the big message there is you know there's clearly a requirement for this type of interaction at work we're all human beings we all have other things going on and uh part of the the downfall, I guess of remote working is you do miss out on some of that interaction with your your coworkers, which is uh I think is really important so right so onwards and upwards we uh, let 's go to our next story out on the magic quadrant Rob take us through um that one
0: yeah, so magic quadrant month um, so it 's always a bit of a surprise when it comes through because it 's not always exactly the same date but uh About a week ago, um, Gartner released their magic quadrant for CCAS, so contact center as a service or cloud contact center solutions in 2020. So uh, this is a review that's kind of uh, done of all the kind of leading uh, players in the CCAS market. Um, Now, lots of action in in the CCAS space right now. And this magic quadrant um, really, is a pretty good representation of the kind of leaders, uh, the movers, and the shakers in uh, in that marketplace. So, a um, bit of upset this year, though. Um, you know, essentially what Gartner did was consolidate two Magic Quadrants. So they had a North American edition and they had a Western Europe edition, and decided this year to put them together. So you've got a bit of a mix of vendors. So You've got uh, some some North American and Western Europe uh, European vendors. But uh, as a result, the criteria slightly changed. So if you're a North American vendor like Five9, doing really, really well in its kind of top right-hand corner last year of the MQ, uh, but you don't have the seats in Western Europe, which Five9 don't, uh, have as, quite as many, or they didn't quite make the grade, um, they actually got shunted back into the top left-hand corner and marked as a challenger rather than a leader. Now that's, you know, that did cause a bit of a stir. Naturally, if I was five nine, I'd be a little bit upset too, uh, because it does that really, you know, truly represent uh, five nines' capability uh, in doing business in the Western market, uh, in the Western European market. So, you know, what do you think, David?
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. So, I mean, clearly, clearly, Gartner have um, have done this. They've consolidated uh, the the geographic regions in, into into one. Um, they they say from uh, from demand. Um, I'm not sure. It's probably not demand from five nine. That's that's for sure. But uh, you know that that's what we've got, and uh, I'm sure five nines aren't too happy about it. But uh, um, you know, there there we are. I mean, the, the interesting thing is we've obviously got a UCAS. Uh, Magic Quadrant out, which they released at the same time. This is a very exciting quadrant. I feel uh, we see Microsoft uh, now in the top right-hand corner uh, above uh, Ring Central, which I think in the last the last iteration it was a reverse uh, story. So this this is uh, this is this is big news. Uh, the other big news is uh, Zoom. They uh, they have landed officially in the top right-hand corner of the Magic Quadrant uh, just after two years. Um, since they've launched the uh, Zoom phone. So Rob, give, give us some insight into into that.
0: It's mm, an interesting one. So uh, all the expected players on the uh, UCAS uh, Magic Quadrant uh, this year, I think. Um, however, Zoom landing was a you know, bit of a surprise. Um, they've, they've met the numbers, they've expanded globally. The Zoom phone, their their UCAS, kind of telephony phone system proposition is now available in more than 40 countries. Uh, it's got more than 400 features um, and it's a real contender in the UC space. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more from Zoom uh, you know, and Zoom phone. Um, it's a very exciting kind of you know, platform and, and brand right now. So uh, yeah, definitely one to watch going forward.
1: Yeah, so Rob, what, what's, uh, what's up next?
0: Well, we said we'd talk about my blog uh, on uh, how I save 48% of my Microsoft Teams bill. So it was a bit of an interesting one because um, I've been on a bit of a journey with Microsoft Teams since 2017. This is a personal story. Uh, Running UC today, um, completely virtually, digitally uh, from day one, we decided to jump on uh, Skype for Business Online to start with. And within a few months of starting uh, in 2017, uh, Microsoft Teams launched. Uh, And so we were an early adopter of Microsoft Teams, but to get Microsoft Teams phone system, we had to be an E3 uh, or E5 uh, enterprise kind of, you know, licensed customer, uh, which was a bit of an ask for such a small business of just a handful of people. Um, But, you know, lo and behold, Microsoft Teams worked out to be a great collaboration platform for the business. And we had very simple phone system requirements. So I'm not gonna go through the whole blog. You've gotta read this, you know, to really qualify yourself into this blog. You know, if you're in a situation where you, you know, signed up to those enterprise licenses earlier on uh, just to get access to Microsoft Teams and its phone system capabilities, uh, there is now a business voice edition available uh, from Microsoft and that was launched earlier on in 2020. So three years on, they release a business voice package for small businesses. And when I say small businesses, up to 300 users, uh, Microsoft Class as a small business. So it's pretty significant. Um, now the small business package, the, the business voice add-on uh, can be added on to the Microsoft 365 business standard license pack for Office 365, uh, Office Suite. Um, and if you get that license, then the price drops by you know almost half. Uh, which is you know, pretty pretty amazing. Um, but getting from the enterprise license, downgrading to the, uh, the business voice license was the real challenge for me. Uh, I couldn't work it out. There was no documentation on how to do it. They just said, well, if you're on this license, you can pay that price. Now, when you do the comparison, they're very similar. You know, a lot of our, our requirements are available on both sets of licenses. So I thought, well, that's a good move. Um, but again, lack of documentation from Microsoft on this one, David, was the real challenge. So, uh, my blog really takes you takes us exactly through uh, those steps, uh, how to de-risk a situation uh, and uh, get save that forty eight percent that um, that's available to anyone in that situation.
1: Yeah, that that really that really is uh, an important point. You know, Microsoft haven't made this abundantly clear. Uh, you know how you go about that migration, and uh, there'll be a lot of businesses out there with those e3 or e5 uh, licenses and uh, wondering you know am am i paying too much Uh, maybe they're not even asking themselves that question we don't know so um knowledge is a bit thin on the ground so if you are in that position i i suggest you go and have a look at that blog it is fascinating and it gives you that first-hand experience of someone that's gone through that process so rob what so what what have we got next
0: we said we'd talk about super agents today. Now, I haven't got my Superman t-shirt on, but um, we did release a story uh, this week um, on Cisco's, uh, you know, and the Cisco's contact center solution and the next generation of contact center agents. Um, So yeah, super agents, David. Um, What did you think to that story?
1: Yeah, so super super agents, I think, uh, well, we know uh, customer experience is going to be the new uh, battleground for a lot of brands. Um, The the agents, the agent space is changing. You know, we're seeing new technology coming into the space, particularly AI, taking away those low value frequent inquiries that we all see via a number of different methods. We're also seeing AI pushing new uh, and exciting interaction uh, data to these agents so they can have more meaningful interactions with their customer those higher value interactions so these these super agents really they're they, they are changing you know are, are we going to start looking for different types of skills i i think so you know i think we're going to be needing those those empathy skills you know those soft human skills which uh, perhaps uh, weren't synonymous with uh, hiring uh, super agents and that that's going to play into all sorts of different areas and particularly in uh, from a from a training perspective as well, um, you know how how are we going to train up this this new workforce of uh, of super agents, um, and particularly with a couple of that with the millennial generation coming through as well. We know we know how they like to communicate, um, it, and we've got Gen Gen Z coming up behind the, um, those those people as well. So it's 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 going to be an interesting time for for the agent. What what what's your take on that, Rob? Yeah,
0: you know the contact centre. Uh... You know, game is changing uh, big time, going through a lot of transformation right now. I think we've we've all got to, you know, as organizations live up to that kind of Tesla and Apple standard nowadays. And, you know, when I spoke to Zach Taylor, who's the director of strategic communications at Cisco Contact Center Solutions, um, he made a good point and he was talking about kind of, you know, augmenting agents with additional information, as you say, bringing context, using AI technology to conversations. Um, So imagine, you know, the typical use case might be, you know, you call into a contact center, you've, you know, spoken to an agent, you've explained your situation, and they've got to transfer you to someone else. Well, the typical, you know, scenario is, you know, you you get through to the other agent and you've got to repeat yourself all over again. Well, he was saying that, um, actually, what the AI could do is actually transcribe the first conversation and then actually pass that through to the second agent you speak to to bring that context straight straight to the conversation, Um, which I think, you know, from a customer experience point of view is potentially fantastic if that works. And, you know, as we kind of think about moving from digital channels to voice channels and back and forth, um, I think, uh, you know, AI can potentially really help you know uh, customer experience and the agent uh, be more productive so i think i think it's great lots happening on that front and cisco's got some pretty cool announcements coming up um, they won't they wouldn't tell me what they were, what they have but they said they've got some big announcements coming up at webex 1 which is their annual collaboration event uh, on december 9th excellent so
1: what what have we got next
0: Next story and final story, I think we said, uh, we talked talking about VR in collaboration, so virtual reality. Uh, now, this is pretty close to my heart. I love uh, virtual reality right now. I love augmented reality and mixed reality, and I think the kind of overarching term right now is extended reality. Um, but there's so much happening in that space. And as you delve a bit deeper, uh, you come to realize that, um, you know, it's really going to affect our lives, uh, our working lives especially. Uh, in the future, so um we released a story this week uh, it's emerging tech month on UC today uh, and we said we'd you know we could just run through the benefits of actually virtual reality in the collaboration space so David, you read that story, what did you think?
1: yeah a- absolutely so i'm I'm probably not quite the uh, early adopter you are of Rob when it comes to vR, but uh i I can see it coming there are use cases and there are benefits for using it, you know the collaboration space. Is going to be changed significantly when this technology becomes a bit more mainstream. So the, the kinds of benefits we're talking about in this feature are improved focus. We're all at home, sitting in our various you know sitting rooms. I'm in I'm in an outhouse at the moment. You know, you're in an office at home. We've got families. We've got you know pets and postmen ring the doorbell. Uh, focus at times, you know, can can be a struggle. That's one of the benefits VR really brings to the table is that ultimate focus you know you're not looking around at you know mobile phones going you know email alerts and all the rest of it 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 puts you in a in a, in a space to do some really high value the sort of focus work which is great so you've got no distractions um there's none of this we're all doing a lot of video calls at the moment i'm sure we've all had that moment where a text message or an email's come in and we're just sneakily put ourselves on on mute and going oh I'll just i'll just deal with that as someone else is uh, talking in this meeting with vr you can't do that it it allows you to be incredibly present in the moment which leads to ultimately better collaboration overall so um i think that's an interesting it's, it's got an interesting future there for sh- for sure so uh, we're going to see some improved communication experiences across the board because we don't, you don't have the same sort of boundary issues in an enclosed sort of VR space as you might do in, in, the, in the real world. Um, Rob, what, what, what's exciting you about, about VR, particularly in, in collaboration?
0: When you hit the nail on the head, when you said, you know, the word presence, uh, I think that's what everyone's craving right now. We've all gone home to work. We're all looking through screens now at people like we are now. Uh, it's, it's a pretty 2D flat screen experience. And what vr brings to the game is more kind of a 3d experience where we can feel more immersed in the conversation or, or, or in the meeting um so in, in the collaboration space it's pretty interesting because you could be whiteboarding you could be sharing files you could be brainstorming ideas in a vr environment which you know if you've got uh, access to a vr headset uh, I'd certainly recommend something like the Oculus uh, Quest 2, which has just come out for under under 300 pounds now from Facebook. So it really is going mass market. You can try these now, put the apps on in, in, in just a couple of minutes, just like a smartphone and try some of this out. I and mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, but I just think it's next next gen. You know, it's where we're, where we're heading. It's, you know, extended reality is really paving the way, you know, to the next kind of generation collaboration experience for, you know, in the workplace, so very exciting.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I, th- I do think it's it, it is bringing the benefits of a a real world face to face interaction and and making it digital, and I think you know that can only be only be a good thing. So so we're at the end of today's show. We wanted to leave you with another survey question. Um, we've been talking about Microsoft Teams and E3 and E5 licenses today. So you know, we want to ask you: Have you thought about or considered downgrading your E3? or E5 license to business voice? And if so, you know how has that gone for you? Has that gone well, not so well, or terribly? We're calling it good, bad, or ugly. You'll find the survey on Rob Scott's LinkedIn. So make sure you go over there. We'd really like you to get involved with this because the more information we get, you know, the better picture we all, we all have. So uh, that's it from us. I hope you've enjoyed today's news update. And if you've liked today's show, please give us a bit of a, a, a like and a share on social media. I'm David Dungay.
0: And I'm Rob Scott. Thanks for watching.